today on Lawyers Rising. Legal market speaking, you hear also about pockets of some bankruptcy partners kind of gearing up for that. How to protect your career in a recession. Hello and welcome. I'm joined today by two members of the BCG Attorney Search Team. Nadine Weybricht is a recruiter and Bree Mills is recruiting manager. Hello to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Let's talk a little bit about the state of the economy as it relates to the legal industry. Um, I mean, obviously, we're going to get more into what you should do if you're worried about a recession or indeed if there is a recession underway. But I thought to start this conversation, it might be good to just get a quick um, state of the union, as it were, for the larger economy and and the legal economy right now. How is it out there? I think the economy as a whole, you're hearing about, of course, strength, 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 and then this impending recession. Legal market speaking, you hear also about pockets of some bankruptcy partners kind of gearing up for that. But in terms of current needs and, and the needs that we've seen going for a while now, it is a very, very strong transactional market. It's kind of firing on all ends in terms of straight corporate work, real estate work, and the kind of um, support practice groups that go with those dealmakers. Bree, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're still seeing a lot of of need in firms who are looking for the corporate work. And there, there's always um, need for litigators. It's not as strong as it has been in markets in the past. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of a slowdown in that um, arena, but we're still seeing, you know, for example, in California, we're still seeing a lot of need for real estate attorneys, a lot of labor and employment attorneys. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the job market itself for, for firms needing to hire good talent has not seemed to slow down um a whole lot in, in any indication of you know an overall slowdown in the economy. Okay, so let's try to talk about what to do if you're worried things are slowing down. As you mentioned, there is some concern out there that we may be headed for some kind of recession. So for those attorneys that may be experiencing some slowdown in their areas, well, what are some of their first steps? I would imagine you have to determine whether or not if this is happening just at your firm or if it's happening uh, you know in the larger sector that they're working in. Am I correct in saying that? Definitely. So I think that as a kind of a first general rule, you know, these attorneys are so, so very busy. And oftentimes it's kind of a head down, keep at it mentality. And I think first you just kind of need to always remember to to have some sort of a head up and make that initial assessment. Number one, look around, take stock of the situation. Is it your firm? And specifically, is it because of what you all do? Is it a boutique that's centered around a particular practice area that that's in trouble? Or is that practice area at your firm in trouble? Or is, is is a good portion of the firm in trouble? Say, for instance, they're working on a big case and the litigators are the ones who really kind of fund that work. Is that what's in trouble? Or is it signs of a much more macro happening in the economy at large? And you think, well, if I do corporate now and then this recession is coming, what will be sort of exit strategies for me? So first rule, I think, is just kind of look up and and see beyond just the billable hour work right in front of you and take stock of the situation kind of right where you are in your office and then just you know, the country and the market as a whole. It must be difficult when you are a busy attorney and your head is down, you're focused on your work and what's happening inside your firm to, to really get a sense of what's happening uh, in uh, 
in the, the sector that they're working in. Um, Brie, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, there is a lot of work that attorneys are doing on a really long-term scale. So it can, you know, especially litigators, like you get put on a case that might have started three years ago and you're still working on it. Um, so you can sort of have a myopic view of, of whether or not things are busy just because you might be busy on something that started so long ago. Um, but like Nadine said, I mean, if you, if you do kind of put your head up and see, okay, well, what's happening with the corporate departments. I mean, I think that can be something that attorneys don't look at kind of across practice areas, like what's happening in other practice areas and what's, what are the things that um, are, you know, market indicators that the, the economy is still, still driving forward, like corporate work. Um, so sort of taking a step out of your own bubble of a practice area and understanding, you know, where is the work actually coming from and the new work coming from? I think a lot of firms um, do kind of try to keep their their workforce informed as far as new matters that are coming in. Um, I'm trying to remember back to, to my days, I kind of feel like you're kind of kept apprised of new things on the horizon and big clients coming in. I mean, if nothing else, like for the notices that you get that like, the, this is now a client and no insider trading, please. Um, certain types of things. But yeah, I think it's absolutely important to, to remember that things are definitely outside of your practice area and what you might have been working on for so many years that you, you have to see if there's anything coming down the pike that's new. Um, and the corporate place, the corporate work is definitely the place to start. Corporate work typically does very well in a strong economy. There's a lot of deals being made. There's a lot of activity in the corporate space. Um, and so if that starts to slow down, you might need to, you might need to take a, a closer look at, at what's going to be happening long term at your firm. So Nadine mentioned that uh, corporate work is sort of a bellwether of what's happening uh, in, in the larger economy. What about other sectors of legal work, like, like litigation, for example? When, when does that, or how does the economy play into, to say, for litigators? I think that um, they have somewhat of a sort of inverse relationship with the, the strength of the economy. So when the economy is going strong, there's a lot of capital out there and a lot of capital raising um, just by business activity, businesses acquiring each other, opening up new branches, going public, that kind of a thing. And when that slows down, you know, companies need to stay open a different way and make money a different way. So I think that's when they sort of refocus or are able to reshift attention to other ways to gather those funds. And then they start looking at their contracts and what's gone awry and how they can make money um, sort of in a dispute collection related type of an arena, as opposed to, you know, capital growth type of, of a method. So litigators tend to do well. Um, commercial litigators, sort of generally speaking, consistently. Unfortunately, when the economy itself isn't doing well, when corporate work slows down, then the litigators have to, to kind of step up and try to raise funds different ways for companies. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think what happens with, with the litigation is that, you know, you have these big corporate contracts that the economy was looking good a couple of years ago and lots of people entered into contracts and have various uh, requirements to, to, fill, to fulfill those contracts. And as the economy starts to go south, people might start breaching those contracts in a material way. And that might lead to um, litigation based on that because one side of the, of the contract cannot hold to their commitments. Um, and so then you're going to see a lot of breaches of contract. And that's when, like Indeed said, I mean, basically the company is trying to you know, get back any, you know, when, once those contracts are going south, they're trying to recoup money um, based on those breaches of contracts. So you see a lot more litigation uh, in those ways. And another other practice areas that are typically doing well in the economy that might see a slowdown are, for example, trademark. Um, there's always a 
big uptick in the trademark filings. Um, new companies are being built. There's sort of this like waterfall of money of all this, all these new companies that are being opened and um, created and they need trademark protection and they are protecting their own IP in various ways. And so that they're really sort of focused on building up their company and putting the protections in place. So when you have fewer companies that are starting, you're going to see the slowdown in trademark law. If you see a slowdown in the larger economy and lots of attorneys lose their jobs because of that, can that be curtains for their career? Um, I don't want to be too bleak here, but we've spoken about in the, in the podcast before about how attorneys that have been out of work for a couple of years are, are really hard to get to, to It's really hard for them to find new positions. So I have to imagine if there's a large recession, like we saw, you know, in 08, 09, um, that a lot of people that just sort of ended their careers because there was no more work. Am I right in saying that? Yes, unfortunately. I, I don't know if you would agree, Bree, sort of wholeheartedly. It's a, it's a very grim response, but it's, it's the reality that we see, you know, by all means necessary, by kind of any means necessary, you have to really, really work to protect your resume. And it's tough when it's, there are fewer avenues. But yeah, what we found in the past is even with the largest recessions, there are still some folks that are safe. There's still some folks that stay on board. And then it seems that anyone who wasn't able to stay on the ship, it's sort of held against you specifically. So if if a partner left or if a group left to, to start something smaller, to go in-house or to do something else and you weren't taken, the question is asked, why were you left behind? You sort of, and it's assumed negatively, unfortunately, that you just sort of weren't good enough. So if you're not able to survive or have a plan B or a plan C, unfortunately it's sort of long-term held against you that there is a reason that you didn't survive and the reason is is some sort of a weakness that wouldn't play well with another prospective employer when things are better well that suggests that if things do start to slow down um, you got to take action right away to ensure that you're not one of those that are kind of left um, at the side of the road so let's spell that out for folks. Um, if the economy starts to slow down dramatically and that starts to affect your law firm, what are some of the steps you can do to try and protect yourself? Yeah, so I, th- I think you f- you first need to assess. So if, if your understanding is that, okay, this this is sort of a broader implication of the broader economy and you know maybe I'm in a practice area, um, you, you kind of need to first take stock of where you stand in the firm um, and understand if you might be safe um, during this. So some, some signs of that can be, am I still busy? So even if the work is starting to slow down um, and p- people around you are slow, do I still have work? Because, you know, you just really got to start to understand, like, am I somebody that the firm comes to to actually get this work done? Um, do I have very specialized niche skills that are still going to be relevant um, as the market tends to, to turn down the more kind of specialized you are, which we've, we've talked about in the past, just like having a really strong set of skills that are so particularized that um, when that work needs to be done, you're the one to do it. That's, that's a good sign for you. Um, so I think kind of first things first, just despite the work slowing down, am I potentially in a position where based on the external factors that I can see, I am still maybe going to be okay because they're never going to get rid of the entire corporate department, right? So you're, you're, there's always, they're never going to just completely clear the ranks. Um, so first you need to determine if, if I might be the one on the chopping block and if you still are busy, then you probably are okay. And to piggyback a little bit off that, Brie, in, in terms of the specialized skills, um, if people see your work product as, as doing good and being good and you're sort of a repeat person that they come back to, but also really importantly, relationship assessment. Who who are your strong relationships in the firms? Do you have relationships with the power players, with the powerful partners 
who do have that business, who sort of their their owned portfolio they can take as their separate entity elsewhere, and potentially could you be taken with them, or could you stay and remain busy? So one, looking at your relationship with the power players, do you have those relationships? And then if you determine, yes, you know, taking a look at how busy they are, will they be okay? Who are their clients? Sort of what's happening with them and, and whether you stay or able to stay or whether you go with them, do you have those relationships? And if not, then thinking back again, you know, kind of alongside what Bree was just saying in terms of your particular skills, your particular sort of reputation and and work product that's been delivered at the firm. So if you're starting to feel vulnerable and the economy is slowing down, I guess that means it's time to start looking for work, right? And so what are what's the process that you should take there to, to be looking for new jobs? Obviously, you probably want to keep that quiet, first of all, but <laughs> what, 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 how should you go about that process if you are feeling vulnerable? Yeah, so I think you need to start start your job search. I mean, that is that is something that we see, you know, in a good market and a bad market is is people know that they're going to be losing their job. Um, so you need to start that job search right away because the as we've discussed in the past, it's like the worst thing that can happen to you is that you do end up having this gap in your resume because you didn't sort of jump on it as quickly as you could and start the search. We, we, we see people who have come to us looking for help um, when it's already been two months since they've been aware that they might need to find another place to land. So, you know, some sort of low-hanging fruit and obvious things are to, to just start getting on job boards. Uh, you know, we have a sister company, Law Crossing, that has um, exclusively legal jobs, uh, jobs in-house. We have jobs, you know, at in the government. We have jobs on you know, firms of all sizes. So going to a resource like that would be a very helpful first step. Um, speaking with a legal recruiter is always a good thing to do. And we have awesome recruiters here who can start to assess the market and see, you know, w- how you can be marketable and give you some real life, co- like career coaching and, and advice as to where to start your search. Um, then there's always the good old networking route. You know, you have so many friends from law school or other lawyers you've met over the years. Um, so start getting out there. I mean, it's probably the least fun to do. Um, and it's never that, that networking part's always a little bit stressful, but you can often work that network of colleagues. I'll chime in. I think that when we think about networking, it's kind of the old tried and true um, suggestion that everybody has. But I think what people forget is if you're particularly vulnerable because of your practice area, because of what's going on in your firm or or what's going on on a larger scale, then chances are people right around you are in the same boat. So I think that your sort of local network, yes, it's a good idea because you definitely want to try every single avenue out there. However, I think that you're kind of in a pool of, of folks that are kind of competing against you, and, and I'm not sure kind of how far ultimately that will take you. So I wouldn't say to rely on networking alone because everybody around you will be trying to do the same thing. And sometimes you can get a little bit of misinformation when that competitive pool is out on the prowl. Um, so I think that for me personally, when I was practicing, talking with a recruiter, and, and I'll say, obviously, there are a lot of recruiters out there. I'll say somebody that you think that you can trust on the information that you have, somebody that maybe you've read a good number of articles they put out there, somebody that you know has worked with a colleague or a friend of yours, some sort of a referral, a reason to really listen to this person. Because I think that as recruiters, they can give you information that's beyond your your office, beyond 
even your city, and they can tell you kind of at large what's happening. So you might be very focused and narrow as you're doing your networking on, you know, one particular firm or one particular company or, or the kind of the ups and downs of the information you're getting. And again, competing with a number of folks in very similar situations right around you, but then talking to a person who this is what they do for a living and, and per day you see at least a handful of resumes, they're regularly talking with firms and getting their needs. And really, they're only invested, I think, in giving you the truth, because that ultimately, I think, you know, it helps both parties in terms of being frank about where to submit, what markets are doing strong, um, because they're they're not going to be wasting their time either telling you to submit to, you know, X city when, when there isn't really any viability for you there. So I think also giving you a broader more objective and informed picture, and also a little bit more than just this current status quo or snapshot in time. I think especially for folks who've been doing it for a while on the recruiter side who've maybe survived a recession, they've seen kind of, they've seen what's to come and how best to approach firms and where to look. And I think anytime you can expand your search beyond your city where it's feasible, like obviously if you've got a family and kids and and you you can't up and move, then then that wouldn't make sense. But where it does make sense to consider other places, it's always a wise thing to do. I personally in recruiting have been able to really open up doors for folks in places, not necessarily where we started thinking where either where they live currently or, you know, choice a kind of a situation, but Um, placing people both out of larger markets, your New York cities, that when corporate work takes a hit, it's, it's, it's a really, really big hit in New York, right? And then companies start to look for cheaper places to do, to do the work that's left. And so looking in smaller markets at times like that can really be helpful. Then you're a really big fish in, you know, in a smaller pond, as opposed to being one of, of many tragedies when that happens. And then similarly, sometimes it's people going from smaller markets who've been able to get some sort of a niche practice moving up to larger markets that they might not have otherwise at all considered um, because they, again, have have some sort of skill or expertise that isn't necessarily rampant. So some of those litigators that we talked about moving into to really strong corporate markets or vice versa. So I think anytime you can talk to somebody who's a real market expert, who has some good level of experience, who, who you feel you can build trust with that can give you the information, I think it only really behooves the person potentially in need to gather that information. It's really an information gathering process in addition to kind of what everybody thinks about to, to be looking for places to apply, to be doing that good old networking. But I think talking with a market expert is really the most efficient um, and wise, wise tool. So if time is starting to run out, or indeed if it has run out, and you need to kind of protect your resume so you don't get that gap in there, are there some other alternatives if you haven't been able to find work in the short term? Um, other things that you can do, I'm thinking like clerkships or, I don't know, going back to school or something, would that be useful to try and again protect that resume? Yeah, definitely. I think the goal at the end of the day is to not have that gap. Um, and there are a lot of options, like you mentioned. So litigators can try to go do a clerkship. Um, um, you know, hopefully, like if you're looking for work as a litigator, th- that can be a d- double-edged sword. Um, to be honest, because firms can sometimes see a move from a law firm to a clerkship as a bit of a desire to get out of the firm life. But if it's sort of dovetailing with a recession, um, you know, it's there's still a lot of clout in getting a clerkship, and there's a lot of law firms that are specifically looking for um, for people who have done federal clerkships. So it's it's never a bad thing to have on your resume, and it's certainly if if it's either getting a clerkship or not having a job, absolutely a good option, um, and 
and corporate attorneys have a couple of different options. Um, they can actually go back if they didn't already get their JD MBA. They can potentially go get um, an MBA, which can can make them a bit more. Um, marketable, and especially if they want to eventually actually go in-house, um, the corporate attorneys might find a position in-house, especially if we're getting to a recession and firms stop um, wanting to pay outside counsel exorbitant rates necessarily to do the work, they might be looking a little bit more to bringing people in-house and having dedicated personnel in-house to deal with some of the work that they might have been outsourcing before. So there could still be a fair amount of opportunities in-house. Yeah, I think those are great ideas, Brie. I think the key is think about your practice area and how to sort of keep going in a very relevant um, relevant manner. So you mentioned, of course, doing a clerkship, the higher the, the level, the better um, for, for corporate trying to go back to school to get your MBA, if that's sort of too long in terms of making the applications and waiting to the fall. Um, there are much even shorter term programs now with certificates and so forth involved. And of course, there's online programs. I think the key would just be doing something as related to your practice area as soon as possible. And then I, I think in the corporate firms as well. Um, people forget that a number of American firms, of course, have overseas offices, or there are a number of strong firms like Magic Circle, you know, abroad in the UK, of course. So you can also think about continuing at a firm, just doing it overseas. And that practice, that experience, of course, can be very relevant, and you're continuing doing the work at a high level. Um, with patent attorneys, oftentimes, it's sort of a requirement for them to be barred with the USPTO. So you can consider going and working at the USPTO and being an actual examiner. That can help, of course, when you came from a place where you're actually creating those patents to then examining, to then returning, to be able to see how to make those stronger. With any of the patent attorneys, of course, technical degrees are hugely important. You can think about getting a degree potentially in a, in a different area. And say, for instance, you're an electrical engineer, maybe taking on mechanical and opening up more doors. Um, of course, with the real estate folks, there's a lot of developers out there or real estate related companies, REITs, financers that you can, you can try to go in-house there. And then depending on your practice area, it could be a really wise move to go ahead and get your LLM. So if you do tax, um, ERISA, healthcare-related work, that can really set you up well for the future. And, and that would be a good idea regardless. But I think the key is keep going in your area as much as you can in, in, in a relevant manner. And then if all else fails, um, maybe take some, some personal time to, to do something that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. But I would still say to try to relate it to what you're doing. So maybe you start a blog that is law related um, or, or write about the state of firms or, or something like that, where you're still out there, you're still having to research and look into what's going on. And, and your name is still prevalent in that practice area. So we're recording this conversation at a time where it, the economy is still relatively healthy, but I have to think that some of these um, tricks that you've taught us here today about kind of gauging the overall health of your legal sector and indeed your law firm are really useful to kind of get good at in, in anticipation of things slowing down, um, just to be able to, I guess, kind of uh, be more situationally aware about, you know, the health of your law firm, the health of the particular sector that you're working in. Yeah, definitely. I think that 
<clears throat> the, the, every attorney should have the skills to assess sort of where the market is, where their firm is, um, and hopefully kind of see the writing on the wall sooner rather than later, because we do see situations of, like, if you have just lost a lot of powerful attorneys in your, a lot of powerful partners in your law firm, um, and they have gone someplace else, even if that was not a practice area that you were um, actually working on. So let's say you just lost a bunch of corporate attorneys, but you're a litigator, and maybe you're thinking, oh, well, that doesn't affect me. Well, thinking about where we um, source a lot of those those matters from could very well be coming from those corporate attorneys. Corporate attorneys often bring in the clients that down the line have the litigation work and have the ERISA work and have all this other work. Um, so if you lose a lot of those corporate attorneys or that might not directly affect your relationship with any of the partners that you work with, um, it could very well affect your, your workflow down the line. That's one thing to be aware of. You know, also just understanding the changes in the way that the like the firms are are they pay fee structures and and um, compensation structures for both the attorneys and like for, for, but the, the clients are paying and that the um, attorneys are getting paid inside the firm. So one area that has, we've seen a lot of sort of changes in, for example, is is patent prosecution. Um, clients are becoming much more cost sensitive to patent prosecution, um, and they are asking for a lot more sort of potentially um, fixed fees. And so a lot of firms are opening up and making a, a habit of having really great you know, patent agents, for example, who really know what they're doing, doing this work instead of having uh, and doing it at a, at a lower rate than instead of having like a law firm associate at a big firm getting paid like an hourly rate to do this kind of work. So the clients are, are kind of speaking with their pocketbook and saying like, we're not willing, like we think that there's alternatives out there for us to be able to do this work well at a lower rate and we're just not going to pay those fees anymore. So if you're doing that kind of work in a firm and you're paying and you're charging your clients $500 an hour, well, there could be a very qualified um, law firm down the street that's, that's charging a fixed rate fee that's going to start cannibalizing your business. Bree, if I can piggyback off that, um, I'll give my hometown as an example, Houston. When I first started, I was signed up to be with who was then Dewey Ballantyne, and they'd come in from New York with a branch office and opened up this beautiful, very high-end office in Houston, and they were competing with kind of the, the big three local firms doing the corporate work, but they came in with the New York rates. Well, I think literally just a few months into it, they couldn't compete, and they decided to go ahead and close up the corporate shop of that office and consolidate the litigators, send them over to Austin, and, and that was it for Dewey Ballantyne in Texas, period. But then from that example, a number of other really large firms have since opened up in Houston on the corporate side. You've got Sherman, Latham. I mean, the list goes on. They're pretty much all there. I'd say the top 10. But now they've come in kind of having learned from experience with much more locally friendly billable rates and not the necessarily New York billable rates that, they, that they're used to charging their clients there. And we've seen them do well, so well, that I think they've poached pretty much, you know, half of the, the local firms in Houston. So learning from experience. But if, if you're happening to be in one of those firms where it has opened up a big branch office and they're still trying to kind of do the formula wrong and charge higher rates in a more in a cheaper local market then kind of take stock of that and think how long will this this be going we've seen a number of large firms over the years just the past 30 years or so some really really big names have have closed up shop due to kind of unwise business practices if you will 
And somewhat of a similar situation, like Bree was mentioning, if you're a litigator and you hear about corporate slowing down, in regardless of what practice group you're in, most firms have some sort of quarterly or annual kind of informative associate meetings where they let you know where the money is coming from client-wise, right? Who are the top 10 clients of the firm? And and kind of be informed, look around, don't wait for the firm to tell you, oh, and by the way, this client is, is really, you know, in trouble, you know, be reading the news, be thinking about these big name companies that you see in the Wall Street Journal that potentially are starting to hurt and think, wow, if that's one of my firm's top clients, what does that mean for my firm? So kind of take a comprehensive look at the information you're getting from your firm and then the information you can get otherwise about who's funding the work. And then, of course, this this might seem a little obvious, but if you happen to be in a practice group or at a firm, that's that's really more vulnerable if it's really based on a particular practice group that's that's kind of hurting, like when Bree was talking about patent prosecution becoming a little bit more commoditized in terms of rates and, and smaller shops doing it at a much cheaper rate. Ask the question, of, will there be a future for this place and how, how much time do I have? And then I think when you were asking, Danny, you know, is time of the essence? Yes, always be aware and look ASAP or at least gather information ASAP, even if you're not necessarily applying at the moment. Well, that's great. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Does anybody have any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? Yeah, I, th- I think it's just important. So if, if you have been looking at your current situation in your firm and maybe are seeing the writing on the wall, um, either because of the slowdown coming or because of internal um movement in your firm of losing partners. Don't be caught flat-footed. You need to absolutely, we've seen it too many times where people just, uh, it kind of snuck up on them and all of a sudden their firm is is going under, their office branch is going under and they are not ready to move and they don't know where they're going. So being being aware of that and taking action as early as possible and um, and seeing if you know you can protect yourself by either you know contacting a recruiter and starting the process that way or even like just looking internally at your firm and seeing if you can if there is um, some movement happening if you can go with the partners who are going to be moving um, kind of cozying up with those partners and becoming invaluable to them um, but just at the very end of the day absolutely being aware of what the market forces are and how it's going to affect you and don't take it sitting down. And learning from history, history definitely repeats itself. And I think we work with really, really well-qualified, well-credentialed attorneys every day from the top law schools, top firms, not letting your ego get in the way and understanding this has happened too many times in the past with really strong attorneys. They've, like Bree said, have found themselves flat-footed and, and there is a gap. And unfortunately, all that time and money investment to getting to where you've, you've gotten there's there's a problem there. So not letting ego get in the way and, and being informed, looking around, taking sort of realistic assessment and knowing it has happened before, it can happen to you. So take action. Nadine, Bree, thanks for making time for us today. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you're an attorney looking to make a change, go to bcgsearch.com.